Hello and welcome back to another episode of the To Be Wed podcast. My name's Emily and I'll be your host. And I'm Mike and I'm your co-host. And today we're going to be talking about all the things that you're probably forgetting when planning your wedding. But before we jump into the topic of today's podcast, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has been listening to our recent episodes. We've been having a look at how many people have been listening to the episodes and we've been really amazed by how many people have been tuning in to hear our wedding advice and our wedding planning tips and tricks each and every week. And because of that, we can actually see the numbers of how many people are listening to this podcast. And each and every week, we ask you guys to rate and review the podcast. And I know how many people are listening to this podcast and I know how many ratings and reviews we've got. And there's a bit of a disparity there between how many people are listening and how many people have actually given us a rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Now, it's super simple to do if you guys are already on the Spotify app or the Apple Podcasts app. Super simple to go to our podcast page and just leave a rating out of five stars. You don't even have to leave a review if you're over there on Spotify. So we would love... If you guys have been enjoying any of our recent episodes or if you enjoy this episode today, please consider leaving us a rating or review. It really helps us to get the show out to other people who are interested just like you, but I don't want to hold us up too much. And the first thing we're going to do this week is jump into what's on fleek this week. And it's me this week, which I'm excited about. So my what's on fleek this week is, drum roll, um, alternative flower people or flower girls as they're typically known. Now, let me explain this. I say alternative because I originally was going to say just grandparents, right? Because that's a really popular thing at the moment. The grandparents are flower flower girls. Yeah, flower grandparents. But I've also seen a bit of a trend around having like funny flower people um you know dancing down the aisle or maybe doing a little strut so yeah so I'm gonna call it alternative flower people yeah I think this is great I've really seen this and I think it's a really good way to amp up what is mostly a very dull and boring ceremony for the most part I think I think it's a good way to really really hype everyone up before um the bride walks into the church and before the and even before, like the bridesmaids and anything, you know, like so it gets the crowd a bit hyped, so that when they, when the bride and the bridesmaids walk in, it's um, already has that atmosphere, and people are really enjoying themselves and uh, already like clapping and up dancing, you know. When you get someone who walks in who's really high energy, um, and I think having anyone apart from just a normal flower girl is something a bit out of the ordinary. So that's a nice way to to really spice it up. What's your take on this? Do you like it? Okay, I love this and I know you're giving me that look and I'm going to give some context around this so when we were planning our wedding Michael wanted to have a funny flower person right he wanted someone to come in who was just going to make a joke now more context is that we were getting married in an Anglican church. To be honest, so glad we didn't go with that based on our minister now. He would have had a legit heart attack, I think, if we said, oh, we're going to have one of our male friends dancing down the aisle sprinkling flowers. One, we had to pay a cleanup fee if we were going to throw flower petals. So, uh, no, not doing that. But also because I, and this is the main reason, I know, 
was kind of like I want the ceremony to be like a sacred kind of moment and that came from mainly being in a church. However, if we were not being in a church and in a park or something, I would have done that. And also we didn't really, I don't think, mm, I don't know if we would have had anyone fully commit to it. Like I've seen some great TikTok videos of people like dancing around and really like amping it up. And I think if you're going to do it, you have to do it well. Like you can't get someone who's doing a half job. Yeah, you really have to commit if you're going to go in and do it, especially if it's like a man's going to run down in like who knows what they're wearing. Like they're going to run down with flowers and throw those. You got to really commit to that. How much of you didn't want this and I really did, how much of that came down to you didn't want them to take the spotlight away from you? Let's be real. How much of that was that? Uh, None actually (laughs) because no one takes the spotlight. But that was definitely. I think it was a good dance. It could have. No. No. I just think it came down to no one was going to commit to that. And I thought it was like a nice moment. Everyone had to be serious. In hindsight, being on the post side of wedding, like I think on the pre side of wedding, you're all like, oh, we have to do this. It's serious, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then when you're there, it's kind of fun to just have a laugh, you know, like in Everyone hindsight. Everyone needs a laugh on a wedding day, especially at the ceremony. People yeah. need a laugh. <laughs> yeah. But... Now, as someone who did really want to do it, you've, knowing our wedding, knowing the context, knowing our minister, everything, do you even think we could have pulled that off? Well, knowing um, the song we walked into, probably not. (laughs) It wouldn't have worked in our context. I don't think that has anything to do with the minister or the church. I think that's, I mean, if he has a problem with it, that's not his, it's really not his problem, you know. He may have been annoyed, but end of the day it's our day so i think that would have been okay i don't think it's a that serious of a moment that you can't have that but i think yeah it probably wouldn't have worked as well in ours as if it was in um, an outdoor ceremony just in a garden you know it would have been a lot easier and and a lot more relaxed vibes than in a church but still that being said i think it still would have been a nice occasion but you would have had to have someone who would have fully committed to the role yeah, but I do love the idea of grandparents. Unfortunately, both Michael and I, um, my mum's side grandparents have passed away. My dad's side aren't super mobile and neither are your your grandparents are very mobile to get down that aisle. So wasn't really an option for us. But I think if we did have grandparents that were really keen or we thought would be keen and they were able to walk the aisle, I would have loved to do that. Yeah, I think it's just nice to have anyone who means something to you. It's a nice way to include other people in your ceremony as well. Yeah. So let us know, actually, if you have a different kind of flower person. Because I think, like for us, we didn't have many children coming and no children actually come to our ceremony or reception. So I think that it's a nice way to still have that inclusion but not feel like it has to be two little children doing it. But anyways, let's move on to what we're probably forgetting before we forget to move on. So I'll let you kick us off here because I actually feel like one of the biggest things that was kind of overlooked in our wedding planning actually came down to you. No offense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. And that's that's, um, no surprise there because you were overly planned with the whole thing and you had it all done way ahead of time. Um, So... In this list of things that we're going to be talking about today, it's not to try to tell you guys that you're not going to plan any of these, but to give you some sort of idea of the things that 
um, we almost forgot or we did forget and things that we've seen other people forget on their wedding day. So this is just a list. So if you're on top of all of these and you're well and truly um, on your way to planning a great wedding. The first one and the one that Emily's talking about and that I forgot was altering. Now, altering of my suit. I completely forgot to get my suit altered up until two weeks before the wedding. Well, I didn't exactly forget to get it altered. I got it altered from the shop that I bought it from. And, and when I went back to pick it up, I tried it on in the shop and it looked okay. And I thought, oh, maybe there's some things that could be done here. I could hem the pants a little bit like that um, and get those done. I picked my suit up from the shop probably six weeks before our wedding. But then in the next in the next month, we actually moved house and we packed everything away. We moved and had everything packed in boxes for a good three weeks after that. And then our wedding rolled around and I got my suit out of the box and tried it on and it just didn't look very good at all. And I thought, shit, I got to go back and have this altered because it just looks terrible. And it was one of the things that I'd completely forgotten about that I needed to do in that moving process. So glad that I was able to get it in somewhere and have it altered. Um, I think the turnaround was like eight days. They, they managed to get it done. Like, And I got it back the Thursday before the wedding, which was which was very lucky, but it definitely was something that I had overlooked. Yeah, and I think this is kind of interesting, right? Because you always hear stories about um, the groom typically or whoever is wearing a suit will typically go and buy that like two weeks out. And it has really shifted my view in that because I'm like, yeah, you could go to Connor or, you know, Tarot Cash or whatever it might be and go get a suit off the rack and you'd probably be fine, especially if you're going for just like a plain black suit or a plain blue suit. And it's actually changed my mind around that because you, you know, you've, you yourself has, have said that you're not maybe like the typical build or you've always found it difficult to find suits that kind of fit you well. So in hindsight, knowing that, and we should have probably been more aware of that and been like, we probably need to get a bigger altering job than maybe someone else. But also it has made me think about other people when – you know, your fiance might be like, oh, it's fine. I don't need to go buy a suit to like two weeks before. And you'd be like, mm, love, you might need that altered to look better and give yourself that time. Yeah, I think we were pretty all over it. Like we went to look at suits like five months out before our wedding. For context, I wore a white suit to our wedding. So we knew that was already going to be hard to find. Um, and we went to a few shops. We couldn't find one. We couldn't find one that was any good anyway. The materials were all all pretty bad. We had to get one that was like we went to a shop um, that was like three-hour drive from our house where we were at the time. So um, there was a lot of driving back and forth to go collect a suit, to go have it altered the first time, to go get all, all my measurements and things like that. So I think when we went back and picked it up, we were just a little bit over it. You know, we'd been, we'd been working on it for yeah. quite some time, but then we just completely forgot to have it altered, and I don't know how we – um, overlook that and such a big step. But you had your dress altered. How long out before the wedding did you start the dress altering? Yeah, I think this is so important, especially when you go dress shopping um, because we all know that most dress stores will make the dress to order. So it'll be relatively your size, but all the specialty alterations, like I did not realize how in-depth altering was like once you actually get it on like pulling it in in certain places that are directly to your body like you can get it a size and that's what you'll get at a dress store you know 
a size, but you won't get like all the hips, you know, the waist taken in at the proper places. And then also for me, because I did have straps, I didn't end up wearing them, but I was going to wear straps. And because they were off the shoulder straps, for example, you don't typically wear them at your reception because they are very restrictive. And so um, they had to add buttons and they had to add, you know, more bones in the dress. And so it actually took a month, which is pretty standard. Um, so thinking about that when you are thinking of when to book your dresses, you want it about – so the typical dress takes around 9 to 12 – about 9 months to come in, right? And then – when you get it back, you'll then have to send it off to altering, which is another month. So you're looking at 10 months around about turnaround time. Remembering that for me, I had to go take my dress somewhere, get it fitted. Then they did the altering and then you have to come back and do another try on. Assuming everything's fine, you take it home. But there are instances where maybe they didn't quite get the measurements right. And I think this is probably highlighted in your case of like, yeah, you did get it altered, but it wasn't altered right. And so then we had to go back. So I would say, so I got mine altered two months before the wedding. So I had a month of altering and then I had a four week gap between picking it up and then our wedding day. Also altering, we you know, we talked about before, but in the budget as well, huge unseen cost. Yeah, definitely something that we hadn't considered until we actually had to pay for the cost of altering. Yeah. Another thing we didn't consider is, you know, you always think in your wedding plan, how are you going to include everyone? And that is who are signing our registry. Mm, now, this is not normally something you would think about because it's normally um, you would have your best man, your maid of honor sign your register. That's that's normally what's traditionally done, but we were obviously going outside of traditions and we weren't going to do them. We were going to try and include other people, as you said, a nice way to include other people. And we didn't really think about it until the week before our wedding. Yeah. So we didn't think about it until I got an email from the people organizing the church ceremony. So, you know, making sure that we had all our legal paperwork done. And they said, who's signing your registry? And I just completely blanked because we had talked about it really on in the wedding planning process about like, oh, who might be nice? But as anyone who's planned a wedding will know, what you think about 12 months out will change multiple times up until the day. And so this was just something that we completely overlooked until the week of. Obviously, it was it was fine. I mean, it's really easy thing to choose. But I think in hindsight, when we were stressing about how we're we going to involve people that we care about or that we wanted to, think about these two extra roles that you have sitting there. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a decision that you, you probably could make on the day, but it is something that is often overlooked. Well, you have to actually make it about a week before because they'll need to have um, – when they do all the official – I mean, you could make it on the day theoretically, but when they do all the official documentation up, they ask that because they need to have everyone's full names ready with the certificate so that you can sign it on the day. Now, another thing that you will probably forget at your ceremony is music. Now, probably not the music that you're going to be walking down to. Like that's normally pretty set, but other music like – what you're going to be walking out to, um, music when you are signing the register, music that's going to be playing in the background while people are just arriving early and, and people are uh, just hanging around. It's nice to have some background music. These types of music you're probably going to forget um, to plan if you're going to be making a playlist of these, who's going to be organizing this music. 
little things like that. I think these are often little bits that are overlooked that are left to the last minute where someone just throws on a random, a random Spotify playlist just before, um, before your wedding ceremony. Yeah. So everyone thinks about your processional song because that's typically what your your wedding party is walking into. But also, of course, the person who is choosing to walk down the aisle typically, you know, it's, it's something a lot of people think about. And so, but not the recessional song. And I remember you and I, we went back on it a lot because you really wanted it to be something that we both knew. I don't mind old timey songs. I'm not super into music, so really didn't care heaps, but you were really into music and you really curated our playlist. So it was important to you so it did actually take a lot up a lot of brain power yeah i think for us like we knew we had to plan it but it, it was something that we left quite to the last minute yeah and staying in the ceremony space is reserved seating signs and we look and what i mean is where people can sit now do you need them no your wedding will go ahead it's not a big deal if you forget them but it is something to think about. So we had reserved seating signs um, for the first two rows on both sides of our altar. And that was because we really wanted to make sure certain people were up the front. That's including our wedding party, also their partners. We put directly behind them and then space for some family members. And that was really important to us um, because you know, they're sitting right behind you and you also want to make sure that um, people close to you get a good seat in the church. Another thing is reserved spaces in the car park. If you're at a church and yes. they've got reserved parking, like a lot of churches that I go to um, only have very small car parks like on site. The rest of it is street parking or um, there's another car park around the block that you actually have to walk a bit further. So make sure you reserve a spot for the bride and groom, of course, but also like grandparents and things like that. If you're trying to reserve for older people who aren't able to move as much, make sure you get those reserve signs out because those are things that are overlooked. And if, if, they're, if they're forgotten, other people will probably take those car spaces or take those seats up the front of your ceremony. While we're talking about parking, let's move on to another thing that's forgotten, which is transportation. Um, often the bride's included, the bride normally knows where they're going to go and, and probably the groom as well. To, to some extent, they know how they're going to get um, from where they're getting ready to the ceremony, from the ceremony to the reception and around for the day. But some people that are forgotten about is the rest of the wedding party. Now, it's often they are forgotten of who's driving them, how are they getting between venues, how are they moving around the place, how are they going to take photos in the afternoon if you're going off-site for photos, things like that. Don't forget about those types of people in transportation. Yeah, because typically I find that this tends to be, well, I know it was overlooked for a bit or or even really quite difficult to organize um, because if you're not, I mean, if you're hiring a car company, you're usually hiring like a limo. So you probably have your wedding party in there. But for people that don't do that, like us who are hiring our own cars, we had to try and organize how people, how you were getting there, but also all, you know, we had four on each side which was not a bad number because that's obviously five but I had you know my mom and my brother walking me down so I had a bit a few more people who had to kind of come with me the difficult thing and when we touch on transportation I want to kind of talk about the logistics of it and the small things you'll forget about like um like for example me I couldn't have as many people in the car because my dress took up 
too much room or things like who's going to hold the key or who's going to go pay for parking or have you told them even where to park? We had that problem at our reception is that people parked on the street and we had we had reserved parking underneath the, the venue and they'd parked on the street, which was timed and needed a ticket. So it was kind of like we just didn't think to tell them. Obviously not a big deal at all, but little things that will be overlooked. Yeah, and, and coordinating who's driving what car and where and how it's going to get back from the other venue, you know, especially if you're having drinking at the reception. Another thing that's overlooked is how are the bride and groom going to get back to the hotel after the reception? Yeah. Like, are you just going to Uber? But if your hotel's nowhere near, is that going to be like, that Uber going to be like 100 bucks? Like, how are you yeah. going to get back there with someone driving you? Make sure you think about transportation for the whole day and then even even on the morning after, you know, if you drove your car to the ceremony and yeah. you're going to leave it there overnight, how are you picking it up the next day? A lot of different things to think about when it comes to transportation. And just before you move on to transportation, I'm just going to, you know, pop in some food for thought because I don't want to dwell on it too much because we can do a whole thing on it. But transportation for your guests, and this goes even booking into the venue, what venue you're going to choose. Because for us, we had trains, buses, Ubers, everything pretty much at our disposal. But we have been to weddings in locations that are particularly tough to get to via public transport. So then people take their cars and then, you know, if there's drinking, how are they getting there? Or, all those kind of things when looking at booking your venue and then you've obviously got to consider whether you need to do charter buses or anything like that. I know, for example, it cut out one of our venues because it was somewhere where there weren't heaps of hotels around. So the next closest main blocks of hotels were about 40 minutes and we didn't have it in our budget to get a charter bus. Yeah, it's definitely something to consider early on when you are choosing your venues. Think about how you're going to get home and how your guests are going to get home at the end of the night. It's definitely overlooked. Yeah. So I want to talk about cake cutting. And I know that not everyone has cake, but even if you don't, if you have any kind of thing you want to cut or serve is having something to actually cut the cake with. I see this so often online. And also, to be honest, we wouldn't have... Okay, I did think about it because I'm an overthinker, but I see a lot of people not think about what are they going to actually cut the cake with, especially because you typically have like a knife with like a ribbon around it or something. It's not just a, you know, a butter knife from a drawer and especially if you're doing a DIY venue. Yeah, ours was included in our venue. Obviously, we had it all fully catered, so they had knives there. They had they had a display stand that we would we would use. They had a table and all things like that. So... We didn't have to worry about it. But if you're going to do a DIY, if you're planning your own wedding and bringing everything to it, I've seen a lot of occasions and heard a lot of stories online where people, um, they get there and have, haven't got anything to cut the cake with. Yeah, and it's the same with like cake toppers and things. So we didn't have um, a cake topper. We ended up just putting like some leaves on it, to be honest, But um, and some flowers. But it is important to some people, and especially if you're going to get, I mean, typically most cake toppers – uh, individualized, whether it's like with the, the surname maybe they're taking with newlyweds or even if it's, you know, replicas of um, the newlyweds on the cake, it typically is something you will need to order. So if you forget it in the last week, you might just have to settle for something you don't want. Yeah, I think the thing with the cake topper is that it's not typically ordered from the store where you get the cake from. 
Like if you're going to do one of the ones where it's a replica of the bride and groom and it's made out of the cake, well, maybe that would be from there. But if you're going to do like a plastic one where you're ordering it online or, or you're just going to do like a sign that says Mr. and Mrs., you're going to have to buy that somewhere else probably. So that's why it's an oversight. When you go to pick up your cake the day before and you then think, oh, we haven't got anything to go on top of the cake, that's when it starts to be really stressful to go and have to organize something. And I think it is a little bit of an oversight for some people. Especially things like that, right? Because it's not, you know... Let's say you forgot comfy shoes. You go to Kmart, you go to Big W, you go buy some comfy shoes to change into for the reception. You forget a cake topper. Where do you go to buy cake toppers? There's not like a specific store that sells cake toppers. So that's going to be a really annoying thing to try and track down. Yeah, especially if you want something that's a bit more personalized. You're probably not going to get that the day before the wedding. Another thing that's very personalized to your wedding is your guest book. And I see a lot of people have grand ideas for their guest book. We're probably going to do a whole episode on what you can do for your guest book because I think there's very interesting ways to spruce up your guest book. But if you're going old-fashioned, if you're going just handwritten words in a book, um, make sure you bring pens. Bring pens because your guests probably don't have handbags on them through the night. They don't have bags anywhere to have a pen. They're not going to bring pens. So make sure you bring them because I see that forgotten so often or they've only bought like one pen so only one person can write at a time. There's a big book, you know, or you've had individual cards that's becoming very popular that they have cards and you have to like slot them into a book or, you know, when you've only got one pen, it slows down the whole process. Yeah, or if your pen stops working and then you have to run around to all the aunties and grandmas and be like, oi, anyone got a pen? It's not fun. Also glue on that because a lot of people do, you know, get Polaroids and put in the glue. I've seen that happen where someone did forget pens and glue and then they didn't know where to locate glue because a lot of adults don't regularly use a glue stick if you've ever noticed. So then we were like, oh, my God, i got to run to the store. And it's usually something you put out last. So you'll usually get to the end of the setup and realize that. My tip for not forgetting that is go buy it and put it inside your wishing well. That's what we did. It seemed to work well because it's – it's good, or, or whatever you're going to have, whatever people are slotting things into, unless you can't physically open it, um, put it in there and just as soon as you buy it, even if it's 10 months out, put it in there and you will not forget it. That's a great idea because it obviously has to get transported with you. So it's in there. All those small little things are easily forgotten um, if they're not in like a big box or something. Yeah. And I, what I kind of did is I had a box. So I had like a box for my getting ready stuff. So as soon as, and if you set up those systems before, like we brought big plastic tubs and then I literally, even if they weren't organized, as soon as we brought something, we threw them in those tubs and we knew those tubs were going to come with us because the really big things that we would definitely not forget were mixed in with the smaller things that we were or would be likely to forget. Another thing that a lot of people forget, and I'm not going to harp onto this one a lot because we spoke about it um, a few weeks ago, is umbrellas, especially if it's a chance of rain. A lot of people a few days before will be online trying to find umbrellas because they didn't even think about buying them. Yeah. And now the only – and I'll – going to touch on some things that maybe you don't think about in terms of this. And that is firstly, you typically want the umbrellas to be uniform, whether that is, I mean, most people want clear umbrellas and most or if not clear, all the same color or something like that. You, you want some kind of uniformity. Now, what you'll find is four days out, every bride or groom or whoever's getting married goes, oh my God, it's meant to rain. What are we going to do? And all post online. And guess what? 
there's 50 plus other people doing the exact same thing. Also, if it's been wet that week leading up, you'll also find that stores are sold out of umbrellas. And so finding 15 umbrellas that all look the same becomes an extremely difficult task. And I often see people being like, okay, Kmart has five clear umbrellas in this store, five clear umbrellas in this store, five in this store. And then they end up spending hours driving around to go get all these clear umbrellas. Buy, as I said, buy the bloody umbrellas. They'll resell. Someone else will use them. Just buy them or figure out if you can borrow them from someone. Another huge oversight, and I feel like this one is a big one, is assigning people to clean up. I think, you know, we all get excited, right? We're like, oh, my God, we get to set up. That's exciting, right? You're setting up for a wedding. That's cool. Packing away for a wedding ain't so fun. (laughs) No one wants to do that. (laughs) And the thing that I see forgotten, I mean, because typically we're talking about people who are bringing a lot of stuff to the venue, like ours, they were so good. We literally left everything where it was and could go pick it up in the morning. But again, we had to organize how that was all going to happen, who was picking it up, how were we picking it up. So when I when I think about cleaning up is one, literally asking people to stay back and clean up. Most people will assume the role, but I think it can get really really messy right like if you're not really clear about who unless you do a whole MC thing about everyone's going to pitch in um most people are just going to leave for sure you definitely need to allocate this to people if you're in a venue that needs to be packed up either that night or early the hours of the next morning people need to know this in advance you can't say to them at 11 o'clock that night oh can you come back at eight o'clock in the morning and help me clean up um, that's not really going to flow with people. You got to let them know in advance. And that's why I say it is something that's forgotten, something that's overlooked. You know, you often will designate people to help you do the setting up for your wedding, but probably don't get those same people to come back and help you clean up because they've already probably done enough. You know, choose some people and make sure that they know ahead of time that that's a role for them. Yeah. And I think on this, just some other like things to think about is what, as you kind of touched on, like what time everything needs to be cleaned up, especially if you've got the higher companies picking up early in the morning. You, trust me, you're not going to get up at 6 a.m. the next morning to do it. It's just not going to happen. So you really need to do it the night before. And you also need to think about what kind of things need to be packed down. I see this all the time with like arbors, um, you know, these big things that, yeah, you've got the van there during the day to pick it up. Maybe you hired it or, you know, you asked a friend, but now you've got this big arbor that doesn't fit in your car and you're like, oh, how am I going to get that down? And you might be thinking, how often does it occur that you need to be out early the next morning? Like sure, most surely most venues allow you a bit of time to clean up. But if you're getting married on a Friday and there's another wedding there on the Saturday, you know, if there's another event, if you're using higher companies, and they're charging by the day, you're probably going to have to have it out by 9 o'clock the next morning. There's a lot of different things that need to happen there. And so make sure you think anything that you are setting up, anything that you are setting up yourself at your wedding, you also have to pack down. So that's a big reason why to not go too extravagant on the DIY. Yeah, 100%. And thinking about assigning people to all kinds of tasks about taking things, you know, including your wishing well or whatever you're kind of, whether that's gifts on a table, whatever that might be, making sure you're assigning that also. Yeah, if you're asking for gifts at your wedding, if you have a registry at your wedding where you want really big gifts, um, probably ask someone to take those all home with them. 
there's probably going to be a lot of gifts, so they're going to take up a lot of a car if someone's taking them. You might have to even have to ask a couple of people because they can't all be left at the venue probably overnight. Yeah, and so I want to move on to the next one because you brought it up a couple of days ago and because of a wedding that you experienced recently. And I was kind of, I mean, because it just wasn't on my radar at all because we just had like an aux cord and a Spotify playlist. But let's talk about the sound system and the band. Yeah, so I had a wedding recently where um, they had a band, but the band left at at 9 o'clock and they only had the band till 9 o'clock. Now, the band was the one that supplied the sound system. The band bought the whole sound system for the whole wedding. Um, so when they left, they just left their sound system behind and they said, you can just use it with an aux cord and we'll come pick it up at the end of the night. We'll just head back and come pick it up. And that was very, very generous of them, but obviously not every band's going to do that. So if your band is supplying your sound system and they're not staying the whole night, um, if even if you just have a musician individually and they've got their own sound system, make sure that you have something that's ready to go for when you're still when you're still dancing because most of these venues, if you're supplying that yourself, it's normally like an untimed venue where you can stay there till after midnight if you wanted to. But if you've got no more, if you've got no more music, who's going to be staying around? Yeah, your dance floor is yeah, not no going to go off. No one's staying if, if, if your music's gone by 9 o'clock. So make sure that you have something to keep playing music on. Yeah. And on other vendors, let's talk about feeding them because vendors need to be fed. Please feed your vendors. <laughs> it might be actually something you forget because if Michael was not a vendor, I would have forgotten. Yeah, please make sure that if you're ordering food, if you're having um, any sort of set menu to include them on the menu to make sure that they actually have a meal, have a place for them, include them as a guest if you have to, include them um, on the meal and make sure that the the venue knows that they need to be supplied a meal, especially um, if you've got an outside catering company coming in as well, make sure that they have enough for the vendor. It's not too much of an issue when you've got like a buffet style or even like just canapes because adding an extra person is not going to take away from it that much. But when you actually have set meals, make sure that people make sure that they know who the vendors are that are there. Definitely. Feed your vendors, work out where they sit. And one thing we totally well, I think we forgot. Mm, I reckon we did. Is dietary requirements. Mm, Every man and his dog has a dietary requirement. It should have been on our mind, but you know what? It was. Yeah, we did. I don't think we asked our photographer his dietary requirements. Because they weren't on the RSVP list. So the way no. we did it, if you listen to our invite episode, highly recommend, one of our most popular episodes, um, is that so we on our invite, instead of sending RSVP cards out, people emailed us um, and we had a QR code set up and an email address set up. But because we didn't obviously send an invite to our photographer, they never QR code the email and the email asked what your dietary requirements were. So it didn't even come to my mind to think to ask a person that. (laughs) Yeah, total oversight there, but they do definitely need to be asked that type of question because if you order them a meal and they aren't able to eat it, then that's just a bit of a waste. I actually heard a story recently of a photographer who was at a wedding and he didn't get a meal at the reception and that was included in his contract and that he had to have a meal at the reception, obviously check your contracts of all your vendors um, to make sure that they don't specify that as something that they do need. Um, It is something that you should be providing them anyway, but make sure you check the contract just to make sure. And he didn't get provided a meal, so he deleted all the photos from the wedding day. On the spot, deleted all the photos. Now, that's I think that's a bit of a terrible move. Oh, my God. That's awful. deleted all the photos from the wedding day. Now... Someone was hangry, Yeah, someone was not happy that they didn't get a meal um, or a little bit of a break for the whole day. 
But I think that just says make sure you feed your vendors because they are working a job for you like 12-hour days sometimes depending on who they are. Um, they need to be fed at some point and they don't often have much time for a break. So make sure you feed them. And look, I'm not on the vendor's side in that case, but at the same time, you signed a legal contract saying that he will provide you a service if you provide what's in your yeah, bargain. I definitely don't agree with the So you are contra- you're contravening. I do not agree, but be careful not to contravene your contracts because it can get you in trouble. Yeah, definitely. Now, the next one is not something that we forgot, but it's something that we did find very hard, hard to find. Um, and that was someone to look after our dog, Maya, on the day. Now, we're going to group this in and say that a lot of people probably forget to get someone to look after their pets. Um, probably not so much to look after your children, but also as well, if you are not, if you can't bring your children to the wedding, make sure you have a babysitter or someone to mind them. But normally people remember that sort of stuff. But looking after your pets. Now, our dog is an inside dog, so we weren't able just to leave her the whole day. Um, at home and and we did go away for our wedding. We stayed three nights in a hotel so someone had to look after her um, for that time and we found it very hard but I think this is something that a lot of people would forget. Yeah, and we also wanted Maya, our dog, at our photos which meant that the pet sitter also had to be willing and able to come to our photos. It did cost extra but I think what we found hard about it is the whole logistical side of it because the days before your wedding you'll typically have a lot on and even though it's you can come home and leave your dog for a few hours at home. We were going to be out extensively and we were also beginning to find it really hard between all those engagements and those things that we were doing to find a time anyone who lives in Sydney will know you typically can't find someone in the same suburb as you always. So we were finding it increasingly hard to find time to be able to go drop the dog off, which meant that we had to sometimes pay for extra time just out of convenience. So um, when we say, you know, babysitter and pet sitter, yes, remember to do that. I'm sure you probably will, but what you probably won't remember is the difficulty in doing it. So another thing that I think people will kind of remember but also forget is your notice of intention to marry. So this is very important because when we talk about wedding planning, this is legitimately the thing that you have to have to get married. married. This is actually the singular thing that if you forget, you will not get married. And so basically what this is, is to let birth, deaths and marriages say, hey, we're like intending to get married. Important things to note. It can only be done maximum 18 months before the wedding and must be done, must, underlined must be done unless under exceptional circumstances, one month before your wedding date. So most people who are getting married outside a church or religious um, institution, your celebrant pretty much should take care of this. But it is sure. always good to if know, you've yes, if you've done that, but it is always a good thing to know because knowledge is power and if your celebrant isn't reminding you to do it, then you need to be aware of this. And or if you're having like a friend or family member who true. is going to be your celebrant, like they may forget. Yes, that is true. And I think in a church it's less common because I think I asked about it because I just knew about it, but um, they're not, they don't seem to be – I don't want to say it's pushy. Pushy is the wrong word, but they don't um, send it off as much for you. Like celebrants typically are very much 
they'll do all the background work. Whereas I found that us in a church, we had to do a bit more of the legwork with this. Not much more, but very important <laughs> step. If you do not know what a notice of intention to marry is, Google it right now. <laughs> and then finally, the last thing that I'll bring up that a lot of people forget. Now, this isn't really a game changer, but it could be in some scenarios. And I don't want you to I don't want you to be caught off guard if you do miss this one, is your final payment for all your vendors. Now, a lot of your vendors like your makeup artists, your photographers, your videographers, your band, musicians, even the venue um, and catering companies will probably have their final payment due within the last two weeks before your wedding or they, or they might be the week after. Who knows when they have it in their contract but a lot of them are around that sort of time of your wedding day. You don't normally pay a lot in advance. You sort of pay a deposit up front maybe a little bit extra halfway but then the majority of it's going to be the end and you'll probably forget to pay one of your vendors if they're not reminding you because there will be some venues who don't um, send you a reminder email to say you have to pay this. So make sure that you know what date in your contract that the the final payment was due. It it may actually cost you if, you know, if a vendor says to you, you haven't paid me by the contract date and there's a you know, there's an extra fee whacked on top of it because you haven't gotten to it. And I don't want anyone to be caught off guard because of that one. And it is something that I see, um, especially as a photographer myself, I see people forgetting by a few days. I don't really care, but there are vendors out there who will really kick up a stink over this. Yeah, and I think my biggest tip, and I do this just in general life, but really help me in the wedding planning process is when you do book a vendor, put it straight in your calendar when your deposit is due and when if you're doing installments when they're all due or when that final payment is due. Put it in even if, you know, you booked your vendor 18 months in advance. Put it in the calendar then because you will forget to do it later. We are humans and we make those mistakes. Also, I know you don't think it right now probably, but you will get wedding planning fatigue. And it'll kick in about four to six weeks before your wedding. So you'll be so over it in the last two weeks. You're likely, that is when you're likely to forget the most things. Yeah, exactly. But if you have gone through this whole list and you have ticked every single one of these things off, then I think you're pretty much on your way um, to planning a successful wedding. Or, you know, a type A bride potentially or someone who overthinks, but it will help you. You've done really well to get through this whole list and I hope that this was able to be helpful for you guys when you're going along and planning your own wedding. Yeah, I hope that this helps your wedding planning go a little bit smoother and your wedding day also. I hope it makes you feel like you're a bit more on top of things as well or or I hope it hasn't made you feel like you're so far behind because <laughs> I hear a lot of people ask me, well, what's the next step? I feel like I've planned everything. Is there anything else I need to do? Well, you probably are all over it if that's the case and, and if so, just sit back and relax and enjoy the ride up until your wedding day but that is where we're going to leave this episode guys i hope you did enjoy it and as i said in the beginning we would love it if you could leave us a rating or review on spotify or apple Podcasts. this is episode number 15 and we're going to be keep going making these episodes we've really been enjoying sharing a bit of our knowledge um in the post-wedding stage of our life yeah it's actually a lot of fun and i feel like we have a lot of wisdom and make sure to share it with someone else maybe this week you need to share it with your fiance and be like see this is why you can't buy your suit the week of. Yeah, this is why you have to actually plan things a few months um, before they need to be done. Yeah. But until next week, guys, we hope you all have a great week and we will speak to you again next Friday. Bye.